taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to this message. This is the Journey Church Podcast. Our hope is that it leads you closer to Jesus and encourages you to live your life on mission for Him. For more information about our church and how you can get involved in what God is doing at Journey, please visit jrny.church. It is great to be with you. Glad you can make it in that harsh snow that was on the ground this morning. Just joking. And so before you are are seated, turn to somebody to your right or left and just say, hey, it's good to sit by. Maybe you've never seen them before if they typically come to the earlier service. And then you you may be seated all over our house. So we are in a a series today. We're going to jump right into it. We started last week to open up 2018 called Living the Wow. And it's my attempt to to refocus myself and to refocus you, my church, uh, on the significance of of life, That, that life is a gift, that every moment that we have is important, that the Bible says a bunch of times that life is but a mist, we're but a breath, we're here for a moment and then we vanish. And so last week we started this, this journey to, together to just say, hey, let's, let's reevaluate. I'm on the wrong mark here. Let's reevaluate uh, our understanding of time. The Bible says, as you think, so you become. So let's, 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 let's make sure that we are taking this thing called life for, for, for granted, that we are using it to, our, to, to the best of our, of our knowledge. That, that last week I said, let's, let's, talk, let's talk specifically about, about time. Let me just give you some time truths. And remember I said, Time is both priceless and, and precious. Remember, uh, I said that you, can, you can't save time. You have to do what? You guys remember that? You have to spend it. One per- good, good job. You have, to, you have to spend it, right? That's the, that's, that's, that's the girl here going, I love to spend, right? I remember that point. And so I wrote that one down, talked to my husband when I got home, you know. And so you got to spend it or guy, whatever. And so uh, I love to spend We spend it. And then the, the last thing I said is you, you, can either, you can either invest it or you can waste it. That's it. You can invest it. And, and you can waste it. We read this verse last week, and it's been kind of, it'll be kind of our, our foundational verse, something you should read quite often. But what, what, the, what Paul says in Ephesians 5 is he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And so he tells us what, what is wise then. What, 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 what's, what's wisdom? He says this. He says, make the most of every opportunity, right? Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. In other words, what he's trying to tell us is every moment of your life, it's a God opportunity. Let me tell you how my day started. I just had to break into my office because my son locked the door with the keys inside of it. And so now I have a broken window in my office. I wish I could show you a picture, but I didn't have time because it happened five minutes before service. And as I did that, I was thinking, God, this is, this is, not, this is not how I wanted to start this day. Like, I'm not going to be able to preach if I can't get in and get my keys and my wallet. And so when I have to break. And so let me, to me, that wasn't an opportunity. But the Bible says to, make, to take advantage of every opportunity, that every moment of your life is, is, is an opportunity to, 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 to use, to take advantage, to, to invest in. And so what I want to do for the next four weeks is I want to kind of take on topics. Next week, we're going to take a look at taking a chance. Some of you, God has been calling you to do something and you are ridiculously afraid and we're going to learn that you should do it afraid anyways. That that's what courage looks like, that all people who have been used by God to do incredible things oftentimes work in and through fear and doubt. The week after that, we're going to take a look at making peace with people. How many of y'all have somebody in your, in your life, don't raise your hand, that right now you, you, have, you, have, you have some bitterness towards? How, how long are you going to carry that with you? How, how long are you going to allow that to impact you? We're going to talk about what it looks like to, and that one's going to be quiet, I know, like what it looks like to make peace with somebody because the Bible says that bitterness destroys people's lives. It, it grows in our lives and, and brings death. And so we're going to make peace. And the last one, we're going to take a look, look at what it means to actually invest your time, investing in eternity. But today I want to talk to you, I think it's fitting, I want to talk to you about seasons. The title of my message is Embracing, embracing Seasons. How many of you have ever been to Florida? How many of y'all love Florida, especially at this time of the year? Like, I just got to get to Florida. Or we seek paradise, right? Like, I want to get somewhere where it's warm, somewhere where it's like 75 to 80, 85 degrees all year round. I don't ever have to wear a sweatshirt or pants or a jacket. I cannot wear anything if I don't want to, and I'll be, be fine. Like, I want that kind of weather. I want paradise. I think it's ironic that when Jesus was on the cross and the thief was hanging beside him, and he said, remember me today when you get to where? Paradise. 
And here's what I've found out, that, that paradise is promised to those of us that call upon the name of the Lord, but you can't get to paradise without also going through the cross. In, in other words, life on this side of eternity, whether you want to or not, it cannot always be paradise. Like, I, I know why we love Florida. You go to Florida. Hey, I, I remember going there as a kid, uh, middle of February, March, about 75, 80 degrees. You, it's very predictable. The sun comes up every day in Florida, except for a few months of the, year, of the year with hurricanes. But if you go at a certain time, sun comes up, and one of the weirdest things happens, it's very predictable. It also does what every day? You guys know it rains every day. But it's not like a rain like this, like irritating. It might rain, it might freeze, it might snow, you know, might be sunny, might do these things. We have no idea. It's very predictable. Sun comes out at some point during the afternoon. It's like God's like, hey, Florida, you guys want to get cooled off? He sends some rain, rain lasts about five to 20 minutes, and it stops and the sun comes back out, right? That is a definition to me of paradise, right? Like that is amazing. But the reason that I think we love that, it's very predictable. Like we know that life comes in seasons, but for us, we want it to be very predictable. We want want to be able to know what's coming. But today I want to talk to you because I I want you to understand and embrace the seasons of your life. And I want you to know that seasons come and go, that seasons are hot and cold, that some of you are in really good seasons, some of you are in really difficult seasons. And I want you at the end of this message to go, okay, I, I might not understand it fully, but I'm going to embrace the truth and the significance of seasons, that we can't all live in a spiritual Florida. That actually, sometimes they say that, that, that this part of the country is God's country. But for me, if we're going to take a look at scripture, that actually God's country is Pennsylvania. We got all four seasons, right? We got fall, we got winter, we're in it. Then spring comes and then summer comes and then it's fall. No matter how much you like summer, by the fall, and then after fall, it's winter. After winter, it's spring. And we know without a shadow of a doubt that it might not look exactly the same, but eventually the seasons will all come. And I want you to understand this is life. See, I got really three things I want you to embrace about seasons, and so we're going to kind of go over those, and my hope is that by the end of today's message, wherever you're at, you're going, okay, I'm going to embrace this because there's something to be learned. I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to embrace this difficult season. I'm going to embrace this this good season. I'm going to embrace this dark season. I'm going to embrace this this light season, and so let me just kind of give you uh, point number one, and this one's kind of obvious, right? But I want you to understand, I want you to write this down, I want you never to forget this, that, that seasons, no matter how much you don't like them, they're just part of life. That, that seasons are, are just part of life. Watch what it says in Genesis 8, and this is talking physically, but we learn a lot physically from how the Lord uh, created the earth. We learn spiritual lessons. And watch what he says in Genesis 8. As long as the earth endures, what happens? Seed time and harvest Cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. What do they do? Everybody say it. They never what? They, they, never, they never cease. Here's my question. How many of you are in a really, a really good season right now? Don't raise your hand. We don't really want to know about it. <laughs> my glass is broken back there. But I did get my keys out. How many of you are in a really good season? Like you're, you're, you're mar- you just got married. It's a good season. And you just had a baby. Maybe you prayed for a baby for a really long time and God, God heard your prayers and he, and he gave you a baby and trusted you with a baby. Maybe for some of you, you moved into that house that you've saved for a long time for and you, you were smart financially. Maybe for some of you, you're about to graduate uh, college or get your master's or your doctorate and you're about to get that job. Maybe some of you just started a new job. Maybe you went and applied, you pursued, you worked really hard. You have a dream job. Maybe some of you are getting ready to go on a dream vacation. You know what I'm talking about? Like we're we're all going to be stuck here in the middle of February, and you are going to start posting pictures of Cancun, your feet, right? I hate those pictures. Those are disgusting. Those should be outlawed. And so like you put your feet online, and you are in what I would call a good season. You had a good year last year. Your finances are solid. Your kids are, are, are good right now. Like They're being well-behaved. Some of you have older kids, and so you've invested in them for years, and they're coming of age, and you're like, I did pretty good. They're breathing still. They have a job, right? They get there on time. My, my daughter is not dating a guy from jail. My son, he, he, he's, he, he's, he's responsible and, 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 and they ask questions and they make eye contact. You're like, my life is, is good. Some of you teachers, you have a good season. Your class, you got lucky this year. You, 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 you have a good class. Like everything about your life is good. Now, some of us would say, that's, that's me right now. I'm going through a good season of, of my life. Now, on the flip side, I wonder how many people... You're in a really bad season right now, difficult season. 
You didn't get the baby, you lost the baby. You didn't get married, you're stuck being married. You don't have the teenagers that that are turning out pretty well, loving Jesus. You have the teenagers that you're like, what? 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 Who are you? You're itching your head, you're going, what's wrong? Some of you, this last year, you, you lost a house you saved for. You lost a job that you went to school for. You had somebody walk out of your life. You, you went through unexpected health circumstances. Some of the good people, you're like, I'm healthy, I'm fit. Nothing aches. And the people that are in a really dark spot, you're like, I, I, I went to the doctor. I found this, this lump or this thing, and they found out I have you know, this disease or, 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 or I'm going through this treatment. And, and there's, there's those of us that, this is, why, this is why it's so weird to be in church during worship, because there's those of us that, are, that we literally were like, as soon as worship starts, we're like, right on, God. Kids good, jobs good, wife's good, husband's good, house is good. You walk in, you go, this is the day that the Lord has made, and it's an emotional decision because everything is well, and then right beside you is somebody who is the exact opposite. Their life is difficult, they, they, they're alone, they, they, they can't find the right person to marry, they, they're, they're, they just got divorced, you're, you're posting pictures of your, your wedding day, and they're posting pictures of themselves being alone, you're posting pictures of your kids accomplishing things, and they're posting what, pictures of their kids on Craigslist, right? Like, you can have them. Make an offer. And the truth is, there's people that are in a really good season, and there's people that are in a really bad season. I want you to understand something that biblically... Neither one is right or wrong. That, that, that really seasons are just a part of life. In fact, we find out in scripture in one of my favorite books, the book of, book of Ecclesiastes, and the reason that I like it is because sometimes in my life, I thoroughly enjoy talking to somebody who has been there and done that. Like if I want to get advice on pastoring or something like that, I don't want to talk to somebody who's going through the same stuff that I'm going through. We're both trying to figure it out. If you have kids, you're trying to figure out how to parent. You don't want to talk about somebody who has kids the same age as you. You're both trying to figure it out. You ever, you ever been there? People want to give you an opinion. They don't even have a kid yet. You're like, they're like, don't do this. You're like, I, I, listen, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it through the day. But you talk to an older person, they just go, that'll be fine. It just chill out. You ever, you ever been in a restaurant? You're like, but you, you're supposed to put us in the darkest, quietest corner of the restaurant or making a scene and, and Sister Martha or somebody walks up to you and says, honey, it's okay. They're going to be fine. She shows you her, her flip phone, right? And she's like, here's my kids. Here's my kids. They turned, out, they turned out great, but I had times just like this where I had to take them to the bathroom and have a talk with them and give them the eyes and stuff like that. And you're like, okay, I'm not, I'm not failing. Like you're going through a, a, a thing at, a, at work and you want to talk to somebody who's been there and done that. For me as a pastor, there's things I go through that I don't want to talk to somebody who's been doing it as long as I have. I want to talk to somebody who's been doing it for 20 or 30 more years so I can say, is this normal? Is it normal to want to quit every Monday? Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty par for the course. Okay, I'm good. And he can talk me off ledge. And this is this, is this book. It's this older guy. He, he, he's gone through some stuff. His name's Solomon. He's experienced life. He's, he's overindulged himself. And he writes this book. And he talks often about, he uses this phrase, meaningless, meaningless, about life, really. He says, man, a lot of this is just meaningless. He uses another phrase, and it says that there's something crooked that cannot be straightened on this earth, that there's something that is just broken. Really what he's doing is pointing, pointing into the future that God is going to send Jesus one day to put stuff back together. But he's saying without Jesus, without, without him coming, that there's something crooked that cannot be made straight. And this is what he writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 to let us know that seasons are a part of life, that the, the good and, and the bad days. And watch what he says. He says there's a time for everything. This is so poetic. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There's a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and all the way at the end, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, and then there's come a time to, to, to build up. There's going to be a time when you're moving from a dream house and a time when you're moving in to a dream house. They both happen in, in life, he says. He says there's a time to, to, to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. They, they both happen. There's a time to search and a time to give up. There's time for there's a time when you hold on to something, there's a time when you're called to let go, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. Somebody needs to write that down. There's a time to talk. There's also a time 
to be quiet, the Bible says. There's a time to love and there's a time to hate. Moments of your life when righteous anger will be built up inside of you. There's a time for war and there's a time for peace. In other words, what he's trying to tell us is seasons that come and seasons that go. Seasons that, that come, seasons that go. Nobody stays on the mountaintop, regardless of what you think about social media. Nobody's life is lived on the mountaintop, and nobody's life is always lived in the valley. There's a time to, there's a time to do both. Seasons come and seasons go. I wish I could show you this, and I thought about how I could show you this in my own life, and so I thought practically about it, and maybe you weren't here last week, but last week I showed up. I woke up on, on a Thursday morning, and I looked in the mirror, and I, I got excited, and the reason that I got excited is I looked in the mirror, and on my forehead was this big, massive heater. And the reason I got excited is because in a few weeks, I'm turning 39, and to me, it was a sign from heaven that you still are young and hip. Because <laughs> if you're still getting zits, you must still be young. And so I got this big old zit on my head, and I was worried about it. I'm like, I'm going to preach, and everything looks bigger on the screen. And once it's on the screen, it can never be forgotten. And so I did the ultimate mistake because I haven't had a zit for a long time like that, and I tried to pop it. And when I tried to pop it, it just made the whole thing spread. And so I had this massive red dot on my head. It looked like a third eye, right? And so I showed up to here, and I asked my before I left the morning. I said, you got any cover-up because I'm not embarrassed to wear cover-up. She didn't have the cover-up that she usually had. She usually had this, this powder from Clinique. I actually had one in, my, in my, my bag, and so some of you would call it a purse, and it's a bag, man bag, and every once in a while before I would preach, I'd just rub a little bit of that on. I don't got any, I don't, I don't care. Like, I'll, I'll do that. Some of you carry a knife as a male. I carry Clinique in my bag, and so I'm fine with that. But she didn't have that. She had some generic stuff from, from Target or something like that, and so I took it, and it's the kind of stuff where you put it on but it doesn't hide it. It just makes it more noticeable. I think, it's, I think I'm on it right here. So I put it on, and actually I walked in here that morning, and I was standing in the back with a, we're here early in the morning, and we're standing, and one of the guys said, hey, you got to do something about that. I said, about what? What you talking about? He said, that thing on your, on your head is staring me in the eye right now. So I covered it up, but it was, it was big. I went to Limerick afterwards to meet Leah. She's at Limerick and talked to a few other guys there that I know well. And they were like, dude, what, what was that? I was like, what was what? What, what is that thing on your, on your head? What happened? And so here's the thing about it. Seven days have passed. It's almost gone. I didn't wear any makeup this morning. By next week, it'll probably be about 99% gone. And by the week after that, you won't even remember it. And God told me, zits, they come and they, and they go. And I'm going to use that illustration of my personal pain to speak to your level of pain or excitement right now, that you need to understand that seasons in your life come and go. That marriages, that they're hot and they're cold, same marriage. That work, there's times you work in a job that it's both enjoyable and then in the next season you hate it. There's kids in your life right now. That in one season, listen, I woke up yesterday looking at my five-year-old Harris, and I thought to myself, we should have another baby. I walked back to my office right before I preached and could not got it, get in, and I thought to myself, why did we have you? <laughs> See, for the same baby, he's both hot and, and, and cold, marriage, job, house, the same house that brings you joy in one season will bring you pain and another church will do the same thing, the same church that makes you completely excited when you first start to, start to come. After a few years, if you're not careful, it will grow dark and boring and gloomy and you'll be at a different church before that you know it. Seasons come and, and seasons go. And here's the thing about it. Whatever season you're in right now, whether it's good or bad, I need you to know two things that my mother has taught me. It's never as good as you think it is. It's never as bad as you think it is. Don't romanticize the season. It's not as good as you think it is. And if it's really bad, don't get too dark and don't get too gloomy and don't begin to speak all these words of death. It's never as good as you think it is. It's never as bad as you think it is. I want to, last year, my son Lincoln, he got his tonsils out, right? Before he got his tonsils out, he couldn't breathe. But for him, life was good. But when I, when I realized and when I went to the doctor and I saw his, his air passage, I realized you think life is good, but it's not as good as you think it is. You can't breathe. When, when, you, when, you snore, you, when you sleep, you snore. Like you, you, you're always got your, you're a mouth breather. You know what I'm saying? And so you're, ah, 
it's not as good. When you run, you get out of breath. It's not as good as you think it is. And then after he got his surgery, oh my gosh, it was 10 days of hell on earth. And if you asked him if it's bad, he would say, this is the worst thing in the world. But I wanted to tell him it's not as bad as you think it is now. It wasn't as good before. It's not as bad now that seasons, they come and seasons they go, that seasons are a part of this life. Let me, let me just give you two more. Number two is this, is, and this one's going to be difficult if you are an American Christian. We expect God to give us only good. We expect him to only reward us. We expect him to only take care of us in the way we deem fit. We expect to enjoy our best life now when God promises our best life in eternity. And you need to embrace this. Not only are seasons part of this life, but number two, all seasons are from God, if you're in a good season, it's from God. If you're in a bad season, listen, as long as you're not the one who decided to make the dumb choices, if you've just been living your, your life and following God and pursuing him and being obedient and you go through suffering, I want to I wanna encourage you today that if you're in a season where you cannot believe what you're going through has happened to you after you have been faithful and follow God, I want you to embrace this truth because if not, it would drive you crazy. I want you to say to yourself, all seasons are from God. The Bible says over and over and over again that God is good all the time. He is good in the good days. He is good in the bad days. In fact, watch what it says in Luke 18. It says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. In that message, in that passage, he's saying, listen, you are calling me God and you are calling me good. So you need to understand if you're calling me good, then you're actually making me out to be God because God is, is good. And so what he's trying to tell us is you need to understand the significance of that thought that God is is good. And then Psalms 84 says, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. God is good all the time. I like to say this to myself when I'm not feeling it. God is good all the time and all the time God is what? You should say it to you, say yourself to that every day. God, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And some of you are saying, how do you know that? I don't see that. See, here's the problem with us as humans, and I want to explain this to you, is we know in part, but we judge in full. We only know in part what we see, but we judge in full. We look at our life in the dark seasons, and we, we know a little bit. We know what we're going through. We don't know what it's going to take us to. We don't know what it's going to accomplish in us. We don't know what it's going to bring out. We don't know what it's going to equip us with. Some of you are going through a really dark season right now, and you are learning through this brokenness, compassion, and love, and God is getting you ready for your next assignment. But right now, you've got to go through this, and we are judging in part, but we don't see in full. We need to step back and go, God is what? God is good to me. Even though it doesn't feel good to me, doesn't mean it's not good for me. Even though it doesn't feel good to me, doesn't mean it's not good for me. When my, my son Carter was one, we met in, in Limerick at that point, and we ran out of money when we did the renovation. And so uh, what, what happened is we could either decide uh, you know, to, to buy this or, or buy that. And so by the end of the renovation, uh, we could not afford rockers for our nursery. It just wasn't going to happen. And so what we did is we had some extra black chairs that we said, hey, people can sit on these and hold babies. It's fine. You know, what do they do in the olden days? And so they don't need gliders and all this stuff. And so we put Carter in the nursery with these chairs. And if you know anything about these chairs, they're, they're black, but on the sides, they have these little clips that go like this. And they're not exactly safe chairs to put into a nursery. And here's why, because kids are clumsy. And so one day I was preaching, the back wall of Limerick was still open. And I see my wife carrying our, our one and a half, two-year-old, I think I'm, not, I'm right around there, out the door. I can hear her. I can see her like have her mouth over his hand. I'm like, that dude got in trouble. She sent me a text. I got on my phone when I was done preaching, and I said, hey, what's going on? And she said, can you call me? I called her, and she said, we're at the hospital. And I said, why are you at the hospital? She said, well, Carter fell. Thank God it was our son and not somebody else's baby. Fell on that chair and sliced his head open. Now, it's healed now. It's like my zit, right? <laughs> but I showed up at the, at the Pottstown emergency room, and I went in, and they had him sitting there, and he was happy-go-lucky. It was like a little mouth on his head, but he was smiling. And then the doctor came in and said, okay, we're going to have to do four or five stitches. And so uh, how should we do this? And, and I, I know my son, I know he, when they saw that needle, he wasn't going to sit still. And so they said, well, the, what we normally do is we put the, the, the baby down in this little, this little piece of uh, equipment, and we strap them down like this, and they look up at us, and they can't move. Even their head is strapped down. 
and we come at them with a needle. Now, he's one and a half. He knows in part, but he is judging in full. Doctor comes in, lays him down. They strap him in. He's starting to wiggle around. His smile was turned into fear. And my wife leaves the room. And she says, you got this. If he's going to hate one of us, he can hate you, right? <laughs> so she left the room, and I'm looking at my son. And the doctor begins to bring this needle. They've given him shots in his forehead at this point, and he is crying big old puppy dog tears down his face, and he's looking up at me. And then he sees out of the corner of his eye because he can't move the doctor coming at him with a needle. And he begins to go, and the entire time he is going, Daddy! He's like, this daddy. And he's like doing this. It was, such a, it was such a terrible process that as soon as I got him out and put him in the car, what do you do? He's about 85% normal today, right? But I remember in that moment, he was so, he was so angry at me. He, he, he was so confused by my lack of, of, of interjecting in the situation. He, he, he was so afraid in his little one-year-old mind. He wasn't thinking, hey, if you leave this open, people are going to try to put food in this instead of in, in here. And nobody's going to want to marry me someday. And this is going to get infected. And my head might you know, explode. And all these things are going on. And it's simply four stitches for a season of about 15 minutes in a chair where I can't move and I have to be strapped down. And this is good for me, Dad. And I know it's good for me because you're standing here looking at me in my eyes, telling me it's good for me in his head in that moment. He was knowing in part, but judging in full. You are an awful dad. How can you let this happen to me? How can you stand there idly as I'm going through this situation? And some of you are there right now with God. He is not He is not distant from you. He has not washed his hands of you. He is not sitting back watching you be in pain. He is involved in your pain. He is involved in your situation. He is watching over your situation. And you need to embrace whether it's a good season or a bad season that all seasons are from God. You know, you've heard the term that people get. What is it? It's called seasonal depression. What is seasonal depression? It's being completely underwhelmed with cold weather, where you say there is no point to winter. How many are there right now? What is the point of winter? So what do people do? They get seasonal depression, and they go south, and they think that everything will be solved if I just go south. But spiritually, if you don't have the right perspective, you will also get seasonal depression. And what I think it comes from is spiritual oppression where you don't see the the value, where where you don't understand that just because something doesn't feel good to you doesn't mean that it's not good good for you, where where you don't embrace the gift mentality. Can I teach you an acronym? I like acronyms. Understand that every situation in your life is a gift from God, good or bad, difficult or, or, or easy ups and downs. God is in all the seasons. And so the next time you get into a season, remember this acronym gift, you ready for it? Is God's intention for time. I would like to put M, but that wouldn't work. God's intention for my time, that God has intentionality for every moment of my life. Watch what it says in Ecclesiastes 3, if you keep reading in that same passage. He says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, Yet no one can fathom what God has done from what? Everybody say, from beginning to end. Aren't you excited that he is a beginning to to end God? That he has already written your story out. That seasons are a part of this life, and all seasons, they're from God. And let me just end with this, that every season then has a reason. Every, Every season then has a reason. Watch what it says in Romans 8. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose in, in every moment, in, in, in all things, in every situation, in the mountains, in, in the valleys, in everything, God is working. So what I did is I started doing some thinking in my own life because I've been through all the seasons as I think many, many of you or most of you have. And if you haven't, eventually you will. If you've never been in a winter, you will be in winter. If you've never had to let something go, eventually you'll have to let something go. If, you, if you've never gone through suffering, suffering comes for all of us on this side of eternity. You can't have paradise without the cross. Like we all go through seasons. Started thinking about it, and I think you can learn so much from the physical way that God created the earth. Because I think it's very interesting that he created it, and in many parts of the world we have four seasons. We have fall, winter, 
spring, summer, fall, winter, spring, summer. And as I started thinking about those seasons and what they represent physically, I started to realize that if on a deeper level that it represents a lot spiritually. So I wonder if you would just do an exercise with me and let's just establish what season you're in because it's from God. As long as you've been obedient, as long as you've not hesitated in saying yes to him, as long as you've decided to follow him, as long as, and even if you haven't and you've gotten yourself in trouble, what does the Bible say? God can work all things, all things. So I think it would be a fun exercise for all of us in this moment because not everybody's in a great season, not everybody's in a bad season, but just to establish your season because when you establish your season and you recognize it, there you can begin to thank God and say, God, I want to do and learn what you want me to do and learn in this season. So I started thinking about it. Where, where does the year start for, for us if you went through this cycle? I wish it started in summer, but I would say it starts in, in fall. What, what does fall represent? Spiritually and physically, fall represents uh, change, letting go, and a decision to allow things to leave in preparation for what's next. And some of you are in that fall season. Could you imagine with me, because we have a fall here, could you imagine what our trees would look like in spring if they decided, you know what, I'm not letting this go. All these leaves are withered up. I'm not going to let this go. You know what will happen? Eventually, they're going to hold on to dead stuff. New stuff's going to grow. It's going to die. New stuff's going to grow. It's going to die. They're going to become so weighted down that eventually an ice storm happens or it gets really wet, and eventually every tree decides to fall down. God has intended for them, as they grow taller to every season, the trees, they let things go. They, they drop off dead things to make way for, for new things. And some of you are in a season... And we're going to talk about this next week in more depth where God has taken something from you. He's taken a dream from you. He's, he's taken a, a situation from you or he's asking to. You know, he's, he's asked you to let go of something. Let go of that dream of that relationship with that person who is not a follower of Christ. Let go of that dream for that job that you decided that you wanted to have, but it was not God's dream for you. Let go of it. And what I have found is when you are willing to let go of your dreams, God can then bring his dreams to you. Paul, Paul did this in Philippians. He said this, he said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I strain forward towards what is ahead. I had this conversation with a, with a, a young coworker a few weeks ago. And she, she was going through this situation in her life, these, these, these dreams and all these things and this future. And just like all of us, you know, when you're in life, you're constantly going, God, you have, what you have what's next, you have what's next, you have what's next. And as we were kind of going through this conversation and, and, and I'm trying to be, a, you know, an encouragement to, to my, my team, right? And people going through stuff, we all go through, through seasons. And I, I had this conversation with, with them. And in this, this moment, I said something that when I said it to her, I felt like I should write it down because I was like, that makes sense. So we're talking about a situation. And I said, I said to her, I said, you just need to have a funeral for that. You need, you, need to, you need to allow God to kill that. And I said this to her. I said, if you don't have that funeral, you can never have that resurrection. See, without, without the funeral, there is no resurrection. If you want the resurrection, you got to let something die. So maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe there's something in your, your life. Maybe you had a dream for your kids and it didn't come to pass. Maybe you had a dream for your spouse or, or, or your job and it, and it just feels like you're in a situation where God is trying to take something from you and you didn't fully understand it. And, and I believe that God is a God of upgrade. That when we, we live our life with our, our, our hands open, that if we would give to God what he's asking from us, that he would be able to send to us what we can never get ourselves. Some of you are in fall. You need to embrace it. We're going to talk specifically about this next week. And then others of you, you're just in the middle of, of, of winter. And if you ask me, what is your, your least favorite season? Come on, you know what it is. It's winter. But you know what I found interesting? It feels like about 75% of my life in Pennsylvania has lived in winter. Like it just starts. And it starts, this year it started in November, even though it wasn't technically winter. And it snowed, and it feels like it goes to June now. <laughs> Next year, it's going to be July, right? Like, winter has just, and I, and I started thinking, I started thinking to myself, this feels a lot like my life spiritually. It feels like a lot of my life, I'm, I'm, I'm living in winter. And why is winter so difficult? Here's why winter is so difficult. Because oftentimes, the, 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 the work that's happening in winter is not on the surface. 
It feels like everything around you is dying and it feels like all you're doing is waiting. You ever been there? Like, what do you do in winter? You look out the window and say, I wish it was warmer. It's snowing. Great. I got to go shovel. You look at your plants. Everything is dead. Your house looks, looks awful. Your car, let's not even get started on our cars. Why even wash them? They're just going to get dirty again. Everything in your life just feels like it's on hold. Your kids, they don't leave the house. They just stay in like, like caged animals, right? And it feels like everybody is just anticipating the, the arrival of warm weather so we can get out of the house and we just want to get it over as fast as possible. But here's the thing. Winter has a mind of its own. Winter does what winter wants to do. And you cannot judge winter by what's happening through your windows. Because underneath the soil, there's work going on. There's life being formed. There's plants, if you're talking physically, getting healthy again. There's plants that are, that are, that are growing deeper because it's colder so that they can ultimately grow, grow taller. That stuff is going on underneath the surface. And what I have found, this is the most difficult season for us because we're going, God, do something. This winter has been long and difficult and breakthrough. God, God, I've been waiting for a spouse forever and nothing's happening. God, would you do something? God, would you break through? And here's what I found you should do in the winter because you really can't control it. There is no timetable for it. There's no easy way out. Winter wants what winter gets. Like winter can take a long time, but it's not a wasted time. And what I have found out in these moments is that God is often seeking to first accomplish something in private in your life before that he can do something in public. That's the principle of scripture. What does God say when we pray? He says, go into the room and close the door and seek me in silence. And when you seek me in quiet underneath the surface, it's there that I can reward you. Seek me when no one is watching. And so here's what I figured out because I felt like a lot, a lot of Journey Church has been the winner. A lot of my wife, my, my, my life, not my wife, my life. That was bad. Sorry, Leah. A lot of my life on this earth over the last 10 years, I felt like I'm in the winter. Like I'm just waiting for God to move and I feel like he's overlooking me. And so here's what God has taught me. There's two words and I want you to remember them if you're in the winter. They're persistence and consistence. There's a parable where Jesus says there's this, there's this judge that doesn't care what people think about them. He's kind of an evil judge. But this widow comes to him and she pleads with him over and over and over again to be a judge that gives her justice with her evil adversary. And God is trying to tell us there's moments in your life where you're fighting, but you're not fighting anything physical. You're fighting spiritual things. You're, you're fighting doubt and you're fighting worry and you're fighting fear and you're fighting winter. And he says, this woman, this widow in the story keeps coming to this judge till finally this unrighteous judge relents because she won't stop asking. And he says, if that judge who is unrighteous listens to that woman's prayers, how much more so to your father who is righteous and loving and grace-filled if you would just simply keep coming to him. Some of you in winter and you have gone everywhere else and instead you need to go into your room, you need to get on your knees and you need to say, God, where are you at? God, change my situation. But here's the thing. Before you change my situation, change my heart. Be, be persistent. And then here's a good one for you. Be consistent. If you're in winter, keep doing the right things. They'll get you to the right spot. I can tell you from church, from me. What do you do when your church isn't going where you want it to go? You keep doing the right thing. What do you do when your finances aren't going where you want them to go? You keep tithing. How often times do we get into a winter in our finances, in our personal life, in our marriage, and we simply stop doing the right things because we think they're not working, they're working. Be persistent and be consistent. If you're in the middle of winter, don't let it pass without taking advantage of the good things. What, what's next after winter? You go through fall, you go through winter, then you go through spring. But don't say spring lighthearted because here's what I found out about spring. Spring is the season that takes the most work. It just is. Like at my house, physically, when spring decides to bloom, work happens. Grass starts growing, weeds start growing, mulch starts happening, power washing starts happening. I'm getting prepared to be outside. I want my house to look nice. And literally, it's the most work. Like in the fall, I'm not going out in the winter. So I'm like, you can fall wherever you want, leaves. I'll see you never. You're my neighbor's problem, right? We'll let the wind take care of this. But in the spring, 
you walk outside, you're like, all this is my pride. It's getting warm, but with the warmth comes the work. You know why? Spring represents growth. And some of you are in a season of growth, and you say, why, God, why are you doing this? Because God wants to expand your capacity before he can use you fully. Seasons of growth for me were like seasons when we had kids, and I was like, I'm supposed to, ha- I'm supposed to take care of that and work? How am I going to do that? When I'm supposed to pay bills, I'm supposed to be a husband, I'm supposed to be a father, I'm supposed to be a boss, I'm supposed to put gas in my car, so I'm, running. I'm, supposed, to, I'm supposed to do all of these things at once, and it feels like this big weight went on me. And so what I have found is it would be really me if at 22, God would have said, here you go, here's three kids, here's a wife, here's a church with five campuses, you know, here's 1,300 people that you have to shepherd and worry about, here you're going to preach, this is going to be your responsibilities. At 22, I would have went, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. So consistently, God is taking me from fall to winter to spring. And we're going to get to summer in a second. Fall to, to winter to spring. And spring has been the seasons in my life where he has been growing me beyond what I knew I could do. See, the truth is there is more inside of you than you can even imagine. The Bible says the same power that conquered the grave, that when you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that he lives in you, that you're not going to get more time, so you're going to need to be better with the time that you've been allotted. And that's what spring represents. Spring is a time of growth in your life. Watch what it says in the Bible in Galatians 6. I love this verse. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. He says, listen, in springtime, do the work. Embrace it. Don't cower from it. If you're going to a season of growth and it feels like you're getting your capacity expanded, just realize because God wants to do more through your life. So we go through fall, I'm letting something go. You go through winter, you're doing something inside of me. You get to spring and God is expanding you and growing you and giving you more opportunity and stuff starts to go good because you've reaped and now you sowed. And where do you get? Come on, say it with me. Wait, like you're excited. You get to summer. Here's the thing about summer though. Summer is the most dangerous, fragile season. Think think about this, just from a practical standpoint. When does the church get the most, most stagnant? Summer. We've gone through fall, we've gone through winter, we've gone through spring, we get to summer, we should be giving God the glory. The sun has come, it's hot, the beach is ready for us, like everything's good, and what does the church do? They go, I'm taking a break from God for this. And what I've realized in my own life is if you just put that spiritually, that's what we do oftentimes. Where are you most susceptible to walking away from God? Summer. When stuff gets good, oftentimes that's when we get going. You see, in winter, we see our need for God because we need him more than ever. In fall, we need his, his strength. In winter, we need his encouragement. In, in spring, we need his power. In summer, we don't need him. I got this. It's warm. I got this. It's good outlook. I, I, I got this. The days are, are longer. And summer is ridiculously fragile. And I can just tell you from personal experience. You, you know when God ha, has had to humble me in this church over the last 10 years? I, I can tell you specifically a few times. But one time was in 2011. Our church, it went through a season of, of fall, a, a long season of winter. The first three years, I just wanted to leave. It was winter, winter, winter. And then it went through this spring season where God was getting me prepared to handle what he wanted to do. And then our church grew from about 300 people to 400 people in two months. It was kind of grew slow for five, six years. When we were here, we only had, in the first three years, only about 100 people. And then after we started in Limerick, it started to grow. And then all of a sudden in the fall, uh, in 2011, we had about 300 people, 275 people coming, and then all of a sudden, just in a three-month period, like we've never seen before, 100 new people show up. And I've shared this story before because it was like summer. is here. I was doing this stuff, right? I was like walking out big, big time. I started getting my book deals ready. I'm like, dude, we're going to have thousands of people in our church. God is doing incredible things. And in that season, what I should have been doing is, thank you, God, I have no idea what you're doing. I can't believe you're doing this, and I don't know how long it's going to last. Looking back, it lasted about two months. 
I don't know how long it's going to last, but God, you are so good, and I'm going to enjoy it. You see, when summer comes, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to celebrate and point every blessing back to God. There's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with doing a little celebrating. Stuff's good. I'm married, right? I had a baby. I got my dream job. But before you get too far off, come back to God. God, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for opening up that door. Thank you for introducing me to that person. Thank you for making that connection. Thank you for giving me this talent. Thank you, God, for all that you've done because summer is the most fragile season. And the thing is, you don't get to decide when, oftentimes when it, when it comes and, and when it goes. That, that summer comes, that winter comes, that fall comes, that spring comes, seasons come and seasons go. They are all fr- from God. So if you're in summer right now, praise God. If you're in fall right now, praise God. If you're in winter in a desperate way. See, I feel like sometimes you come into this place and you feel like you can't worship because you've been in a dark season, in a winter season. And so you come here and you feel like he doesn't deserve your praise because he hasn't given you what you wanted to have. And so you come in here kind of with disdain in your heart. But the Bible says, and I had the same conversation with my sons yesterday about certain things. I said, the Bible says that you are, you are the clay and he is the potter. What right do you have to tell him what to do? I didn't say it like that. I said it in a loving way. We are, we, are, we, are, we are the clay in the potter's hand, and he is molding us and fashioning us into what he destined and designed us to be. And in that moment, every season that you go through is good. The winter is good. The spring is good. The fall is good. The summer, thank God and praise him, they're good. Seasons, seasons are from God. So what I think we should do in this moment is I think whatever season you're in, as we get ready to stand... I think we should just tell God, thank you. Some of you have been, been angry with God, and Satan's getting exactly what he wants. He's giving you the runaround. He's caused you to live in disappointment. He's caused you to doubt God. And instead, in this moment, you're going to say, no, Satan, I'm not wasting one more day. God is good all the time. Come on, all the time, God is what? God is good to me. God is in control. I'm like that little kid that Steve talked about, his son Carter, and I am strapped against my will and stuff is coming my way, but my heavenly father has never taken his eyes off me. The Bible says he doesn't sleep or slumber, that he's in control, that my anxiety, it fades away, that my stress and worry, they fade away when I get my sight focused on my God, that God is a God of all seasons. There's a time for all of them. Would you stand with me all over this house? Would you, would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes with me? And maybe in this moment, as we get ready to leave, I'm not going to keep us here for a long, long time, but maybe in this moment, this is going to be a moment of breakthrough for you. That God would be a, a God that walks with you. Not a breakthrough necessarily from your current situation, but a breakthrough with your vision. Satan wants you to believe that God has forgotten you. He wants you to be frustrated. He wants you to be afraid. He he, he wants you to live your life with concern, trying to get God's attention. Again, God has never left you. God will never forsake you. God's hands are upon you. He has placed your life like a potter places a piece of clay on his wheel. And he is molding you. And he is taking things away from you that you don't need in your future. And he is forming something in you before he makes something out of you. And he is expanding you so that you can hold more. And when he gets you to a season of summer and stuff is good, you as the clay will look to the potter and say, thank you for being better to me than I can imagine. God is good to you. And in this moment, as you, you say that, maybe, maybe it's hard for you to even comprehend that. What I have found in my life is, is the best way for me to live is to live outside of my feelings. There's that saying, you're in your feelings. I'm going to step outside of my feelings, and I'm going to step into the concrete, never-changing presence of God. How do I know what it is? Is I read it in Scripture. God never wanes. God never leaves. God never changes. God never lets me down. Some of you, he's asking you to let something go. Today is going to be the day when you begin to do that. You begin to take those steps as we look towards next week. Some of you, he's kept you in the winter and you're, you're ready for it to be over, but he's still working. 
He's still working on you. He's still doing something underneath. Some of you, you're being expanded and you've wanted to give up. You've wanted to let it go. And God is saying, no, you can handle more than you can even think you can. And for those few individuals who you are in a great season, I think it would be ideal and perfect in this moment for you simply to say, you know what, God, I'm not going to forget you. I'm not going to forget you when stuff goes well. I'm not going to forget you when stuff works out. I'm going to lift my hands towards heaven no matter what my season. No matter what my season. So if you're here right now all over this place, why don't you just begin to pray that? And maybe you're here right now. And as I've talked about seasons, see, I believe people come into this place every week at all of our campuses and you struggle. And here's what you struggle with. There's many things, but you struggle with the thought that there's a God that loves you because of all the bad things that have happened to you. You struggle with the belief that there's a good God out there because if there was a good God out there, this evil, this, this pain, this sorrow that you've went through, that he wouldn't allow you to go through it. And here, here's what I'll say. I, I, can't, I can't explain all the pain you've been through. You know, the answer in, in the Bible is that this world is broken. That this, this life is filled with sorrow. That that's why our hope is not here. Our hope is in eternity. The Bible says that eternity has been placed on the hearts of every man. That we are the only creatures that think about it. That animals, they live and die. There is no thought of what's next. But for humans, we do. And I think what we'll say is, you know, like, I think I'll be okay because I'm a good person and because, you know, bad stuff's happened to me, so I'm better than that person because they did bad stuff. And so I'm a good person. And eventually I think I'll get to heaven because good people go to heaven. And I want to just encourage you today. That thought is is faulty. And I'm not sure what you've been through, but here's what I want to tell you. Here's what makes you and me the same is we're not good people. We might have been through different things, different situations, different sorrow, but at the end of our day, that though sin has been done to us and hardship has been brought to us, that we alone have carried that torch, that we, we also have caused pain, that we've also sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that not, not good people get to heaven, but saved people get to heaven. And somebody said, what does that mean? See, when we talk about Jesus, what we mean is that our God, that he came to earth. That religion is, is different. That if you, you know some form of religion, religion says that, that you and me, that God is distant from us. And so we do the work to get back to him. That's what we do. We, we try to get back to God through righteous acts, through good works, through good thoughts. But the Bible says that we could never get back to God. So God... He came to us. How did he do that? Jesus came to this earth. And when he was 33 years old, they put him on trial. He was a righteous man. He had never sinned. They were jealous of him. They were angry with him. They were bitter with him. And they decided to put him up on a Roman cross and kill him. But the Bible says that he did not get his life taken from him, that he laid it down for us. Now, when he died, he became the sacrifice for our sins, past, present, and future. It's through him that we become the righteousness of God. Not only did he die, and the Bible says atone for our sins, pay our debt off. The Bible says that he was placed into the tomb of a rich man, a borrowed tomb. They sealed it up. They guarded it with Roman centurions. They tried to keep him dead. And the Bible says on the third day that the stone was rolled away. And Jesus, not only did he fully die, but he fully rose from the dead. And it's in him not only that we have our forgiveness of sins, it's in him that we have the promise of eternity, that he overcame death and hell. And when you put your faith faith in Jesus and what he did for you 2,000 years ago, he offers you forgiveness of your sins. He doesn't make you a good person. He's a good God. You're You're a bad person. You're a broken person. You're a lost person. And he still chooses to love you at your lowest. And when he forgives you and sets you free, the Bible says in that moment, when you decide to receive that gift, I'm not sure that I completely understand this thought or can comprehend it, but the Bible says when you do that, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's a ledger of the names through history that just like you in this moment have decided to follow Jesus, to receive him. And someday when you take your last breath here, that you'll stand before your creator in heaven and they'll open up that book and they'll find your name from January 20th, 2019. That's the day 
that you confess with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and that's the day your life changed forever. You see, we are, we are not just in the business of fixing your temporary life at Journey. We have the answer through Jesus Christ for your eternity. Through everything that's going on, through every ounce of pain, through, through all the situations you're going through, that even in the midst of all that, that our hope ultimately rests with Jesus in paradise. And just like that thief said, hey, today remember me. And Jesus said, today you're going to be with me. Today you're going to be with me in paradise. That same moment is here right now. Jesus is looking you in the eyes and saying, are you ready? Do you want a relationship with me? He's reaching his hands out to you, and the Bible says, for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So here's what we do at Journey Church, and I could spend hours trying to explain it to you, but here's what I know. From the moment that we began to sing, and maybe even pulled into the parking lot, that God began to work. Maybe he even began it this week. Maybe he's been working for months. The Bible says he's been knocking at the door of your heart, and he has brought you to this moment. And in a very real step of faith at Journey Church, when I ask you in a second, if that's you, in a very real step, we ask people, if that's you, we say, would you please just raise your hand and let us know today is your day that you are deciding to follow Christ. Here's what I want you to know. I'm not going to make you come forward. We're not going to open our eyes up because we believe this is between you and God. But there is somebody standing at the front of every campus. And I do want to know that that's you today. I want to lead you in a prayer, not this long religious prayer. Some say, I've never prayed before in my life. The Bible says that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That he is just waiting for you to call out to him. He's waiting for you right now. His arms are stressed out to you. And maybe you're here right now and you say, hey, pastor, that's me. So before we move, before we go on to our Sunday business, before we get home and get ready for the ice and whatever else is going to happen. Listen, pr- tomorrow's not promised. Today is a gift from God. Today is your chance to get your life right with your creator, to receive forgiveness of your sins and the promise of eternity. That's what we offer here today, not because we're good, but because we've been changed. And when he changed us, he told us, hey, do everything you can to share this message. So that's what we've attempted to do today. But this is the end. Before you leave here today, if you say, hey, pastor, that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm in broken season. I'm in a hopeless season. I'm in an angry season. But today I want to get my life right with God through his son, Jesus. If that's you from side to side, front to back, at all the other campuses, somebody standing in the front ready to recognize your hand, I just want to know before we leave. Today's my day. Today's the day I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm not here by accident that God set this moment up. If that's you all over our houses in a very real step of faith, with courage and boldness, if that's you all over our house, would you just shoot your hand up in the air and say, today I'm going to get my life right with Jesus Christ. Today I'm going to get my life right with Jesus Christ. If you're at our Plymouth Meeting Campus in Limerick and Royersford, I just want you to shoot your hand up in the air. We're waiting on you in Phoenixville. If you're here in Phoenixville and you missed that first time to respond, but you know God is still working, we're not moving from this situation. We're not going to try to drum up emotion, but I believe there's somebody here every week that needs to experience new life that's found in only Jesus Christ. This is my moment. This is my day, church. Let's begin to pray as people continue to respond. Jesus, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for your word, for it never returns void. Thank you for reaching people's hearts and touching their souls, Lord. Thank you for changing somebody in this moment. But thank you for all that you continue to do as we walk out this life, Lord. And we know it's but, a, it's but a mist. It's here for a moment and then it vanishes. As we fix our eyes on that thought, the Bible says that we should take advantage of every opportunity that we have. And so whatever season we're in, we're going to give you the glory. Whatever season we're in, we're going to trust you. Whatever season we're in, we're going to take bold steps of courage. God, if we're in a good season, we're going to give you praise. God, if we're in a difficult season, we're going to give you praise. God, if we're in a a perfect season, God, we're going to shoot you back to praise. God, we're going to turn every blessing that we have into praise, Lord. And we are thankful, Lord, that you are a faithful God, Lord, even when we struggle with faithlessness, Lord. We thank you for that love that has impacted our lives. And Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, our church is is hungry for a move of God. But when we talk about a move of God, we don't talk about a move of God that happens here on Sunday morning. But what we're talking about is a move of God that impacts our community and ultimately our nation. 
Lord, we want to see you work in our lives on Sunday so you can work through our lives on Monday, Lord, so that you can accomplish your work and build your kingdom, Lord. And so as we leave this place, we leave on purpose. We leave on mission. Lord, we will impact everywhere we go. We'll impact the schools that we attend and work at. We'll impact the offices that, that we, we work at. We'll impact the families that you've given us. Lord, we are a church that changes history because you have changed our history. Lord, thank you for the honor and privilege that we have to continually share. Share your message and your love. Thank you for all that you continue to do. In Jesus' name that we pray. Journey Church, one more time. Would you shout amen? Come on, let's clap together.